you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 387. How is everybody today? Mm-hmm. I'll wait for the answer. No, I really want you to shout into whatever your device you're listening to this to. Just say, I'm good. I'm all right. Eh. Just say it out loud. Even if you're in front of people, even if you're hiking, just go, I'm good. I'm not that good. Things are not going well. There you go. All right. I am Jen Kirkman. I am your host. What is this podcast? I know for the regular listeners, you're like, when is she going to stop doing this at the beginning? Never, never. Because what if somebody's new? They need to know what this podcast is. And they're not going to read the show notes and find out or the description. No, they're not. They need me to tell them. I am Jen Kirkman. I am a comedian. I have two specials on Netflix. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine and just keep living. Obviously, that is a plug. You can watch them and enjoy them, but that's not why I'm mentioning it. I'm mentioning it because this is not a comedy special. These are not punchline jokes. If you're like, why isn't this funny? Well, it's not supposed to be funny. I mean, I hope you enjoy it and maybe if you laugh, that's great because, you know, I'm occasionally funny off the off the cuff, but this is where I go to just talk. I, I've prepared topics that I want to talk about, but I let the thoughts flow and the words go. So for better or for worse, for consequences or not, or what, I am talking to you unfiltered, unrehearsed, maybe a little filtered. I'm not like completely self-destructive, but you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to keep it real. 
I also have two books. You may want to buy them if you want to buy books. Buy them new or else it doesn't help towards my book sales. And the more book sales, the more chance I have of maybe someday when I want to, which is definitely not right now, writing another book. Uh, The books are called, what are they called? Oh my God, I'm having a moment. Uh, One is called, I Know What I'm Doing and Other Lies I Tell Myself. That one is about turning 40 divorce, life, all kinds of fun things. And the other one is called I Can Barely Take Care of Myself. It's about not wanting kids, but it's really more about the dumb things people say to women and men and everybody who doesn't want children. So please enjoy those those books. They're all available, hardcover, paperback, Kindle, e-books, I guess I'm supposed to say, audiobooks. Although I really don't like when people get the audiobook version because I had vocal cord issues both of those times before I uh, found the solution and found the right doctors and fixed it. I don't like the way I sound too raspy, but you know what? If you don't mind it, then go ahead. Just warning you. All right, great. So why was I going on and out? So this is the podcast. Now we are in minute three. We are entering minute three of this podcast where you are listening to it right now on your audio device, on your boom box, on your tape deck, on your record player. But guess what? There is also a video version of this podcast, and the video version is on minute 22. I have already done like a little mini episode before this for the people who have the video version. Well, that's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. Life is not fair. How did these people get the video version? Why are you sitting there fiddling with your tape deck? Why can't you get the video version? Oh, you can't. You're just going to pay for it. It's five bucks a month. You get four videos a month plus other bonuses, including old stand-up sets from the road that that never made it onto uh, the TV. So there you go, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. It's all in the show notes. And I would encourage you to join the Patreon because I am not kidding when I say this is my job. I'm not going on tour this year, and I'm not doing another special, not by my choice. And, well, the special is not by my choice. The tour is is totally by my choice. Uh, I still don't think it's totally safe out there. And uh, this is my job. And I love it. I love doing a podcast. So come on and join up. And also the Patreon version doesn't have ads. So if advertising insults your delicate ears, if you're tired of capitalism, you don't want to be sold anything, come to Patreon and pay me directly. How's that? Okay. Let's begin the show. What am I talking about this week? I'm going to talk about, oh, I've had some, I went out for the first time since the pandemic. I mean, I've been out, but I went, we'll talk. I I did the restaurant thing. I want to talk about what do you think if NASA were to nuke an asteroid heading toward Earth? Would that be how you think they should handle it? And in conjunction with the, uh, you know, going out now, post-vaccine, post having some dinner and drinks at restaurants, an article that I violently disagree, not violent, violently, vehemently disagree with, is about how our brains are going crazy from the lack of small talk. And, and I honestly can tell you that my brain has never been happier with the lack of small talk. But I also realize I may need to readjust my definition of what small talk is. You know what I'm saying? 
So let's talk about this. What what is going on? What 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 what? what? I went out. So we, as you know, again, if you're new, you don't know this, but I took the COVID nineteen pandemic seriously, and not just because I'm an amazing person who didn't want to accidentally get it asymptomatically and spread it and kill everybody. Not just because of that, but because I was also afraid to get it because I have asthma and I had a really severe bronchial infection just weeks before COVID really hit the United States. And uh, that was terrifying in and of itself. And it really wasn't COVID because I would have been patient zero uh, if because I got mine in November of 2020, but it lasted through like January. And it was scary. So I was, I don't want to get this COVID. So I wasn't going to restaurants. Now, I live in California. It's warm-ish a lot of the year, at least seven months out of the year. You could comfortably sit outside at night, probably more like eight or nine months out of the year. But I mean, it does go down to the 30s, 40s, 50s at night, which isn't always fun to sit and dine in, especially if you live closer to the ocean where it's windy and freezing. This is a what they call a Mediterranean climate. It is not a tropical climate. It is not humid at night. It is bone-chilling, dry, and cold. So anywho, trust me, you don't want to be sitting outside a few months of the year in Los Angeles at night. But whatever, that's not, this isn't a climate podcast. My point is that except for the most severe, severe parts of lockdown, the outdoor restaurants were kind of open a lot of the time. And... uh People were doing it. They were like, well, it's open, so I'll go. And I was more following the science than following the politics because I understood the bind. I mean, I I understood it. I didn't like it. I criticized it. But I understand intellectually the bind that Governor Newsom and any governor is in who doesn't have the federal funding to just pay everybody to stay home. And so you're going to either kill all of the businesses in your city or you're going to allow them to open and enforce precautions so that people can try not to get and spread COVID. And of course, once you do that, now you're dealing with idiots who really aren't the, the type of people that really want to not spread and get COVID are not usually the patrons that are going to the restaurants. The employees, sure. I'm sure they were, you know, some, again, had no choice. But the people that want to go to a restaurant they're a little more footloose and fancy free. And so I didn't want to be in this situation because I would drive by these restaurants and there was no social distancing. These are you know, people sitting there. Yeah, sure, you sit at a table and uh, the table was six feet apart from the other tables outside, but you could dine with your friend that you don't live with and you're four feet away giving each other COVID with your heavy breathing, right? And then there's people waiting in line to get in and they're standing right next to the table because there was no you know, authority saying, well, I mean, yeah, the tables are six feet apart. Well, what do we do when the the line to get in is near the tables? Nothing, because people can't stand in the middle of the street. You see what I'm saying? So I didn't want any part of that. So I didn't go to a restaurant. So I went to one for the first time last week. Now, again, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know that I've already flown home to see my family. I'm fully vaxxed, so don't worry, I was safe. But, uh, and my family's fully vaxxed, blah, blah. By the way, I'm getting a lot of, there's a lot of trolls. I don't know if this is like Russian trolls or just psychotic, you know, like Russian paid trolls that are trying to stir shit up on the internet. But uh, 
or Americans are completely insane or both. But when I've posted stuff about being vaccinated, people are like, that's fascism. And I'm like, no, it's a vaccine. Like fascism would actually be uh, letting a virus mutate and run rampant and kill everybody and not have the vaccine offered. Uh, The vaccine is free and anyone now is eligible to get it. It couldn't be less fair and democratic, small d democratic. It couldn't be more fair. We've had vaccines the whole time. In terms of there have been major periods in America where we were actually fighting fascism on other shores, and we also had vaccines here in the country. It's very anti-fascist to get vaccinated, and I'm not going to listen to your childish, conspiratorial, mentally disturbed, I don't care. You're not correct. Moving on. There's no both sides. You're insane. And I, no offense to my insane people. I include myself in that. I'm on two different meds. Not for insanity, but for depression and ADHD. Okay, listen. My point is, it's not fascist. You're bragging about your status. Well, if it cost a million dollars to get a vaccine, then I suppose I would be. But it was free. And it's open to you now. Just stop it. So I'm getting a lot of those comments. You know, I explain something to people in case you don't know anything about immune system. When people say, I have a good immune system, I'm not worried about getting COVID. Even smart people who aren't these weird online trolls, let me just explain something real briefly to you. I understand what you think you're saying. And perhaps if you don't have a comorbidity like diabetes or asthma, perhaps when you get sick because you don't have these things already, uh, you have an easier time getting sick because your other things aren't triggered. I understand that. But this is not one of those cases. Let me explain to you, and maybe you can use this to explain to other people if you already know this. The common cold is a virus. It mutates all of the time. That's why we don't have a cure for it. But our body does recognize some of the symptoms of a common cold. Our immune system goes right to work When we get it, it takes about five to seven days to get rid of it. Sometimes we get a common cold that is worse than others. The flu shot every year, they guesstimate what strain of flu will happen the year after based on what strain of flu came out that year. And the flu shot, it's about 50% accurate. So it's not a guarantee that you won't get that year's strain of flu, but um you might as well do it because if you don't, then it becomes rampant and it can kill some people. But your body in general, right? You could say, uh, so that's why I think about my immune system. I get the flu shot. And then I try to also protect myself by cutting down on the dairy in the winter because that makes phlegm or taking your zinc or exercising, staying healthy so that My body, which knows how to fight the flu, it just doesn't always win, can help fight the flu. But you still also need the flu vaccine. But COVID is something our body has never seen. There is a spike protein. That is what the virus is. We are not getting injected with that. We are getting injected with something that makes our immune system go, what's going on? Wait a minute. 
our, we're telling our immune system, hey, guys, we're giving it like a presidential briefing. Like imagine you're the president. Every day you get a briefing and someone goes, hey, um, president, insert your name here. There is a terrorist organization that wants to attack you. And you go, well, great. Now that I have that information, I'm going to mobilize the troops. So the vaccine is giving your immune system information. Hey, there's a protein, spiked protein virus out there that you don't have any troops in your system to handle. It doesn't matter how good your immune system is. It's just that it hasn't seen the likes of this before. It's it's not an offense to your great immune system and your workout regimen. So when you get the vaccine, you are now creating something that responds to those proteins. So it's sitting there waiting, going, when these terrorists come, they think it's an ambush. Nope, I'm ambushing them because I know how to fight them. So when the COVID gets in your body, if you get near COVID, your body's like, got this bitch, bum, 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 fights the spiked protein. That is the COVID virus. In fact, you are making your immune system even more bionic than you believe it to already be. So there you go. You are not getting injected with the virus. This is called the M. Why did it come? Why did they come out with it so soon? I'll tell you why. Because it's an mRNA technology. They've been working on this for 10 years. They've been working on this kind of vaccine, which we have never had before. Because it is the future of fighting cancer, of trying to find maybe a cancer vaccine. This one is very, very close to the HIV AIDS vaccine. Because of what they discovered, we might have an HIV AIDS vaccine sooner than we thought. And also, part of COVID is is the SARS virus, which we have seen before, but it's a different one. Again, you don't already have the antibodies or immunity to it. So they already kind of were working with the SARS situation. But these mRNA vaccines have been being researched for 10 years. It is a, it's a miracle of science. It's not a miracle in that where did it come from? It is an, it's amazing. It's the timing is gorgeous. It almost makes you think there is a point to, to something that the, that the universe is equally frightening, but also equally protecting. Like the fact that this wild virus shows up on planet Earth, but we were so close to finding a vaccine for it. That is 95%. I mean, the, we could eradicate it if everyone got the vaccine because it would see the thing is when you think your immune system's good and you're hanging out with your friends, well, your body is now a host and, and the virus will mutate. Even if you don't get any symptoms, all y'all that aren't vaccinated, you're just letting the virus mutate in your bodies. You're being stupid. And then it could potentially mutate into something that we aren't vaccinated for. Or that there isn't a vaccine for yet. So you're making your life worse and others' lives worse. Here's the thing. You think you're so smart with your, I read this article. I read This is the forefront of science. This is exciting. Somebody I know said, I'm not into big pharma. This isn't big pharma. Yes, pharmaceutical companies distribute it, put their name on it. This is science, guys. It's exciting. It's like going to the fucking moon. That's why I'll never understand how someone like Elon Musk can can get to Mars, but can't grasp that he needs a fucking COVID vaccine. It's science. Anyway, I am vaccinated. 
I believe in science. I worship science. What about God? Well, if God made everything, God made science, didn't God? God made the people and said, I'm going to make it so that you people can figure out science. There is no separation in my mind, folks. Those of you who are religious, who think to be into science is to go against God, well, how small is your God that your God doesn't involve the development of science? How small is your God that your God is threatened by science? A thing invented by humans that you say God created. You're making no sense over there. Smack you across the face. Wake up. Come on now. Anywho, but if you listen to this podcast a couple of weeks ago when I went home to see my family, I really wanted to report to you some amazing revelation I had about doing something after being isolated for so long. And I feel the same way about going to the restaurant. I was like, I'm at a restaurant. Wait, I wasn't just out one two weeks ago. No, Jen, it's been 15 months. Huh? Oh, well. You know, and I think it is the vaccine thing. I think it would have felt weird to go to one without the vaccine and sitting there with the masks. I mean, there were some people there. So basically, I went to this outdoor place with my my friend Justin, and he and I, uh, and he was the same thing. Like, he had only gone to one other restaurant before that, He uh, after he was vaccinated. We both were kind of taking the virus, uh, the pandemic really seriously. And uh, go to this restaurant, outdoor place. You have to walk in, like, so you're on the sidewalk with your mask on, and you walk, you don't even walk indoors, you just walk up the path <laughs> to the hostess stand, but or host stand, but there's no one there, and you have your mask on, and then you go sit at the table. And now the staff, they're wearing masks and shields, which I feel bad about, bums me out. Um, It does feel strange, like, like... I don't like people waiting on me that like are in a different situation in that sense. Like they still have to wear it because they might not be protected, even if they're vaccinated, because they might be waiting on people that aren't. But there is a new rule, and I, I believe it's nationwide, right? Not just California, where if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask outside. Now, of course, who's going to know who's vaccinated, who's not? You're not. The honor system, but I'm sitting outside. He's my friend's outside. Uh, we are vaccinated, and the Wait, waitress came over and I still ordered with my mask on because I felt like in solidarity, right? Um, but it is hard to hear. So I did have to pull it down a little. <laughs> and she's like, it's fine. She's like, I feel totally protected. I was like, I'm totally vaccinated. She was just like, great. Uh, had a margarita, had a salad. And I wasn't going to eat because... I thought I had eaten enough that day and I wasn't hungry and I like to just get drinks. I don't necessarily sometimes like if I'm outside, it's kind of like a warm night. Like that's the mood I was in. Like I feel like also fiddling with food and forks. And and that was the one part I didn't like is they serve it in a normal glass bowl. But oh, no, they didn't. They serve it in in a to go stuff. No, they didn't. No, it was a real glass bowl. Sorry. And then they give you the plastic packaging of plastic forks and a paper napkin, which I'm like, oh. And I know everyone, you're bad. You use plastic. I didn't know. I didn't know that's how they did it. I haven't been to a restaurant. I guess I would have brought my own. I seriously would have brought a cloth napkin 
<laughs> and my own silverware. And I was just like, I don't see. That's what bums me out. Like that's where I'm just like, you know what? When everything's back to normal, I'll go back out. I don't want to eat with plastic outside. It tells me something's wrong. It's not that fun. And I also think it makes no sense. You cannot get COVID from picking up silverware. It is not transmitted that way. And even if it were, you could use a glove and then you put it immediately into the hot, hot uh, dishwasher, industrial sized. I mean, it just, don't get me started on the stupid fucking things that we do to keep safe. That is just legitimate theater, legitimate, performative, antibacterial theater. Don't get me started. So I don't have a good story for you. What was it like going to a restaurant all that time? Did you cry? No, I just felt nothing. Now, maybe we're all in some traumatic shock. I don't know. Maybe it feels weird because India is not, to put it mildly, not doing well. You know, I don't know. It just doesn't feel good necessarily. I don't need to be at a restaurant. I just sort of was like, okay, I did it, you know. I'm not like running out every night now to go to a restaurant. Like I don't really, you know, I'd still actually just rather, if I'm going to sit outside, like I'd just rather sit at someone's house. So I did go visit a friend, um, fellow comedian, my friend Sarah Schaefer. I went to her home and we sat outside and just chit-chatted. And I, I, I am doing a thing that I promised myself I would do uh, post-pandemic, and I'll, I'll tell you about it right after this break. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, so I'm back. You know, I promised myself that I would not get so busy you know, after the pandemic that, that I would have learned a lesson about like, I'm so busy. I have to cancel plans. You know, that thing where you're like, you know, you have, so I'm a freelancer. So I'm working three jobs right now. I do this podcast, which actually does take some effort. You know, I do all my own social media. So I cut up all the clips and I do the social media. And of course I prepare the episodes and I'm doing the Patreon and there's bonuses there and that's more work. And I'm writing part-time on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm just, um, punching up some of the scripts as they call it. It doesn't mean I'm making jokes. It means, uh, we just go over the scripts and we pitch ideas and things like that. But it, uh, you know, that can be a couple days a week work. And then I also have another podcast that I'm in the planning stages of an early, early development. Um, and that is uh, that is uh, called Anxiety Bites, and that's coming out in August. So um, hang on one sec. Oh, so the box should be, sorry, I'm emailing, I'm texting my sister. So the box should be whatever is in the box is for whomever it's addressed to. So Gail... Okay. Okay, great. Sorry, I had to return a text. Um, 
lot of confusion going on. My sister's birthdays are one day apart. I sent them both a box of gifts. Each person got their own box. The guy at the store reversed the names. So I'm trying to explain to my sister that I didn't put the names on the individual gifts because if it's in the box with your name on it, then all of those gifts are yours. But then the guy at the store reversed the names on the box and I'm like, it's still the same. Just take that box that has your name on it and give it to the other sister. And other sister, take that box and give it to the other one. Did I have to return that text uh, on the podcast? Yes. Anyway, so what was I saying? So I, okay, I, so I have three part-time jobs. So as you guys know, who are freelancers, you can never for certain make your own schedule, right? Someone might call and go, actually, I need that by tomorrow. That's the deadline. Or someone, uh, oh, I changed it. It's this. And that used to flip me out. And again, I think it might be my new ADHD medication that's helping me not feel so flipped out. But in general, I now have made it a promise to myself that if I have a plan with a friend, like to get a coffee for an hour and a half, and that day comes, and you know, I'm also working that day and feeding myself and maybe taking a class and working out, you know, um, uh, okay, my sister is still having trouble understanding what I'm saying. Um, so I, I will not, um, skimp on the fact that I made a plan with a friend, unless it's literally like, oh my God, I just got an extra assignment. It's due in two hours. I need the exact two hours I'd blocked off with you. But if I'm just like, I feel overwhelmed. Hang on one sec. Okay, so, um, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't think what I'm saying is that confusing. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going back to the text about the birthday gifts. I know for people that are new to the podcast, you're like, why don't you edit this out? I do it on purpose because <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. It's just a fucking free podcast, y'all. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. It's annoying, but you know, it's part of the charm. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, so the other day I was like, I had a little extra work more, a little more than I anticipated, but, um, you know, I like to get up at six 30 in the morning. I was up early. I was working and it was like around four o'clock. I was going to go see my friend and it's like, yeah, I could have just barreled through and kept working all day. And I was like, no, I said that I was going to go to a Pilates class and I was going to take a little bit of a walk and see a friend. Like I can get this all done. I'm not, you know, running a country here. I, I might get this sort of anxious notion that I need to finish all the work today, you know, but uh, I don't need to. I'm getting things done. And sometimes part of things is going, okay, tomorrow I will finish working on this project because I also have tomorrow available. I would do this thing where it's like, okay, I have something due at the end of the week 
I can work on it a little bit every day, or I can jam it all in on this one day and not see people and not do my exercise, but then I'll have the next two days free. And it's like, that doesn't really ever work out that way, does it? You think you're giving yourself all this free time coming up and you're really not because something else inevitably happens. And I always find that if I'm busy and one more thing gets added, it's less stressful. But if I get everything off my plate in one day and then the next day I'm like, ah, I can just use today to socialize and or work out. If something comes up that day work-wise, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I have fuck. I was supposed to, I was supposed to work out and see friends today and look at, look at, I can never do anything. I'm always working. Like it's just, it's a men, it's a mental shift. And I promised myself after the pandemic, nothing is that important. Things will get done. Go see people. It's, it's an hour and a half that's good for the soul. And it refreshes you and it changes your perspective on how actually busy you are or how actually overwhelming all your work is. You know, it just, it's a quick refresh. And so I feel really good. So far, so good. I have been holding true to that. Great story, Jen. One of your best. So anyway... I read this article and I was like, I don't agree with this shit. Now, you guys tell me what you think. So I saw this. It was just going around Twitter. It's a, a website called thewalrus.ca, which I guess means California or Canada, probably. Science. Blah, blah, blah. The lack of small talk is breaking our brains. Chit-chat is often dismissed as mindless and boring, but its absence over the past year is affecting you more than you think. Um, So the author says, written by Hannah Seo, S-E-O, I never thought I'd say this, but I miss small talk. I miss those 15-second exchanges with strangers at the gym. I miss asking acquaintances about their significant others or dropping, and I like your shoes to a woman in the elevator before hopping off. In our pandemic world, casual conversation has been all but eliminated. The closest thing I get these days is saying thank you to a delivery person or greeting a grocery store clerk. Even then, I'm hesitant to linger. Every unnecessary moment with a stranger feels taboo, every breath a hazard. And now in the absence of chit-chat, I feel isolated and unenergized. This has led to a potentially controversial revelation that small talk gets an unfairly bad rap. Science backs me up on this. Small talk functions as a crucial social ritual, says Jessica Methot, a behavioral scientist at Rutgers University who studies social networks. It's a way to grease the wheels. Methot has co-authored a number of papers that have found several benefits for small talk in work settings, work being one of the most common venues for chit-chat. In one study, she and her team found that on days employees had more small talk with coworkers or supervisors, their mood improved, they had more energy, and there was a decrease in burnout. There are a number of things in play here, but before we go any further, it's important to define exactly what small talk is. Mathot says her study defined it as lighthearted, superficial, polite, scripted conversation. It's scripted in the sense that it's predictable. Everyone knows the appropriate default phrases, so participants are rarely caught off guard. Someone might ask, how are you? So you respond, I'm well, something like that. See, that's what I hate. I don't miss that. And I found that when I did engage with a clerk for 10 seconds or whatever, they would ask, how are you? And I would say, I'm trying to hang in there. Are people treating you good? What's, What's up with you? Or, you know, something like that. I actually... I understand we need a little human interaction here and there. I'm totally down for it. But I don't like 
scripted small talk. How are you? I'm good. It's It actually is not good for depressed people to have to lie and say I'm good. It's actually fucks your brain. So so maybe if you're like totally normal and you just love talking to people, like the pandemic was hard for you. But for a lot of us, it was a fucking relief. For a lot of us, it was a fucking relief from having to pretend that we feel okay all the time because it's only polite in scripted, meaningless conversations at the office to not go deep. And some people run deep and it's hard for them to bullshit, you know? Um, so I, I'm not even going to finish the article. I disagree. I get it scientifically. We need human interaction. I'm all for it. I love walking by someone on the street and being like, love your hat, you know? Um, and yeah, the streets aren't that crowded. Um, we're not on the subway, maybe, blah, blah. I totally get it. But I also made sure to have human interaction with friends. I talked on the phone to people every day. I did Zooms. And so I didn't feel that weird thing that was breaking my brain, not having contact with people. Like, I just didn't. I'm sorry. I think if you have no contact with anyone and you're not, like, running into people for a little small talk to break up the monotony, sure, 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 sure. But again, I think there's an argument to be made that a lot of us found a lot of relief in this. Um... Also, write me and let me know what you think. Do you think, Jen, you're a fucking idiot? How dare you? How dare you disagree with this article? Or Jen, I agree. Or Jen, another thought that you might have. I seem fun at gmail.com. I always like when you all weigh in. Now, I did something different. I actually asked you guys, what would you think? Because I saw, so I saw this article. that uh, said NASA, it's not like they're considering it or it's happening, but NASA has in its, uh, you know, bag of tricks. That uh, they could nuke an incoming asteroid in order to save the Earth. And there was a, a recent article about it in Newsweek. And so I thought, well, I think I have a thought on that, which is sort of like, ah, just let us go if it's our time. That was like my gut reaction. Ah, just let, don't, don't nuke the asteroid. Just let us go. That was my gut reaction. And, and I have a different opinion. I have like five different opinions. So I actually, on Twitter, if you want to uh, follow the podcast, it's at Jen Kirkman pod. J-E-N-K-I-R-K-M-A-N pod at Jen Kirkman pod. And I posed this to the listeners. I asked them to please email me and let me know what you think uh, about this notion, this headline, NASA would consider nuking an asteroid hurtling towards the Earth. And a few of you wrote back, and I will tell you what this is all about, plus your reactions right after this. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
Okay, so Newsweek says, NASA would consider nuking an asteroid hurtling towards the Earth, says an agency scientist. NASA asteroid defense expert has told Newsweek that in the event that scientists spot an asteroid coming towards us with just months to spare, blowing it to pieces would not be such an outlandish idea. Thankfully, the scenario has only been lived out in the world of science fiction so far. But dangerous asteroid impacts are something that scientists take very seriously in the real world. I mean, if you think about it, that's that's what they say killed the dinosaurs, right? An asteroid destroyed much of Earth and it it reinvented itself. See, that's what Okay, well, I'll 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 finish. This week, NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies has been leading a fictional scenario in which delegates at the 7th International Academy of Aeronautics Planetary Defense Conference have been tasked with responding to an imaginary asteroid that is due to hit Earth. That would be fun to sit on those meetings, sit in on those meetings. I would love that. People think my job is fun. Are you kidding? Have you ever been in a writer's room? It's a bunch of people sitting there quietly being afraid to pitch something because they think it might sound bad. (laughs) That's what, and trying to look like they're not looking at their phone. I mean, maybe that's what happens at NASA, but I imagine the conversation about, um, how to nuke an asteroid might be livelier and more interesting. The scientist uh, scenario imagines um, that, you know, the pretend scenario is that scientists have discovered an asteroid called 2021 PDC, and it's going to hit our planet in just six months time, meaning that deflecting the pretend space rock away from us is out of the question. If it were real life, scientists would consider launching a nuclear bomb at it, according to Lindley Johnson, NASA's planetary defense officer. It wouldn't be an ideal option, but she's told Newsweek, I call that the Hollywood solution, but it's not totally out of whack. In fact, some of the presentations and discussions at the conference have been, is it viable to nuke it? Use a nuclear explosive device to break it up into small enough pieces that then the Earth's atmosphere would then take care of them. She said, so it's not totally outlandish, but it is a scenario that we want to try to avoid getting into. First of all, the time limitations involved really put pressure on making sure everything works the first time. And the other thing is, of course, the deployment and use of nuclear devices in space is a heavily restricted thing by international treaties. Instead, Johnson stresses the importance of early detection, something that groups such as CNEOS specialize in. There is also an international asteroid warning network that Johnson says has signatories from at least a dozen countries around the world. She says that an asteroid impact is probably one of the few natural disasters that is entirely preventable if we find out about it far enough in advance and have an opportunity to do something about it. She says, but this exercise this time was a little different in that we wanted to engage the disaster management emergency response community a little bit more. So we have to contemplate having to take the hit on the ground and prepare the disaster management emergency response folks with what they might have to expect as far as what the impacts might be and what the damage might be. Detecting an asteroid is typically typically done using optical telescopes. Researchers can spot the asteroids because they tend to reflect light from the sun. So there you go. So we find out asteroid coming towards us. We've got a couple months. If we don't nuke it, we could 
perhaps be blown off the face of the earth. I mean, see, my ideal scenario is if you're like an asteroid's coming and I'm like, okay, what will it do? It will end earth. And I go, everybody goes at once. It takes one second. Yes. Okay. I'm fine with that. If I don't even know what happens, but if there's any risk that like it wipes out everything and I'm the last person left, I'll fucking go insane. I will fucking lose it. Imagine being the last person left on earth after an asteroid hits. I mean, that is that puts a terror in me that honestly, my throat feels like it's closing up right now. And I feel like I can't get a deep breath. <laughs> I'm giving myself an anxiety attack. So, but I also think this, look, part of me for no reason, just based on this gut reaction is like, let earth be earth. Like, let it happen. Like maybe there's some grand spiritual reason that's supposed to happen. I don't know. And then if I, but then if it's like, re, but that's just like me philosophizing, but like, let's say it's really happening and someone's like, hey, we've got three months to live and asteroids coming. You could see where that might be kind of exciting. And you're like, I don't know. I kind of want to let it happen then. Let's all just fucking not work for three months and go ape shit. That would be funny too. If if they're like, no, it's, we're a hundred million percent sure it's definitely coming. We're not going to nuke it. And everyone is just like, Drinking, smoking, partying, spending all your money, <laughs> like total mayhem. You tell your wife that you've always secretly been in love with the neighbor. You start having an affair, like everything's just going off. And then the asteroid nearly misses the earth and everyone has to realize that they've just spent all their money. They've blown their savings. Their health isn't great. And now they've had an affair with the neighbor. I mean, that could be a movie. Someone else write it up. I have no interest. But you know, part of me thinks that could be fun if indeed after the three months the asteroid hits, kind of go out in a three-month party, right? The other part of me thinks, well, I don't want three, in general, if someone said you had three months to live, I'd be like, that's awful. I don't, let's, can we do something about it? So I think that'd probably be my reaction. But the thought of nuking it, even if the nuclear material didn't end up coming down to earth and harming us in any way, there's just something about nukes that feel so evil to me. Now, I don't think nuclear energy necessarily is evil, but I know I just feel like anytime we've used a nuclear bomb, obviously that's been evil, but the splitting of the atom, I feel like it was the most significant thing that has ever happened in human history. And I feel like it just, it was a, a miracle and a devastation all at once, right? It's heaven and hell all at once. It's insane. It's just fuck. There, you just can't turn back. So just like on this weird, I keep saying spiritual level, but a level that I can't comprehend why it bothers me, nuking something, just putting that out into literally the universe feels like we have too much control over the universe. Like what if that asteroid was supposed to hit for some reason, something, I don't know. It just feels like, uh, but then again, why, why not have control over the universe? Like who says we're not supposed to? As you see, I don't know. I don't know what I think. I can only think about as it relates to me and my life directly, that at the end of the day, if someone said you have three months to live, I'd probably want someone to do something about that. So here is what people have said uh, when I asked them to write in about what they think about getting nuked. You're like, Jen, what, fucking read it already. All right, well, I'm having trouble finding it. I swear to God, I was so organized. I printed everything out. I organized the whole podcast. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Sorry. 
I am organized. I just forgot that I was. Okay. Just got a few emails. Uh, Jason says, I want NASA to stop it with a nuke. Trump and his family aren't in jail yet, so I want to be around for that to happen. And now, since we have COVID vaccines, I want more to open up so that I can go back to concerts again. So stop the damn asteroid. Thanks, Jason. All right, Jason. Jen, I'm ambivalent about NASA nuking an asteroid on one hand. Yeah, it'd be cool to save the Earth, and I kind of want to stick around a little while. But on the other hand, a good half of the population won't even believe the asteroid is coming, mainly because Tucker Carlson and his ilk will tell them it isn't. Not sure I have the stomach to witness all the anti-spacer rallies and all of the stormings of NASA HQ and mission control. I'd almost want it to hit us just out of spite for them. So in the one one thousandth of a millisecond between the time it becomes visible in our atmosphere and its impact on the ground, I can say, I told you so, before I vanish into oblivion with the rest of the world. The most unrealistic part of all those disaster movies, Independence Day, Armageddon, is not the fact that alien invaders or the fact that Ben Affleck could save the world. It's that human beings are capable of coming together to battle a common threat. That's a good point. Half of America's response to COVID has kind of proved, once and for all, how naive that notion is. However, a compelling argument for nuking the rock could be made if we're able to convince Russia and China that we need the entire Earth's nuclear arsenal to do so. We could rid the world of nukes in one fell swoop. But that's even more unrealistic. So just let the fucking thing hit us. With deep impact, Jeff. I love that answer. I love when things make people go, well, what about this? Well, maybe that. I don't know. Uh, Only guys wrote back to this. What's up, ladies? You don't care about science? Jen, in regards, maybe ladies are like, we just don't have time like men do. Why am I pitting the genders against each other? Jen, in regards to would I rather have the planet-killing asteroid hit us or have NASA save us, my first reaction was, I just let it hit us. Give Earth a clean slate and a fresh start without us humans fucking things up. After thinking about it a bit more, though, I realized if NASA did nuke it and save us their budget... Our budget, their budget would probably get a, oh, if NASA did nuke it and save us, their budget would probably get a huge boost after, and we could do a bunch of cool space shit without having to depend on the Elon Musks or Jeff Bezos of the world. I will admit, I am biased, though. I get so burnt out by all the, what about all our problems here on Earth jokes I see on social media whenever NASA has a major accomplishment, i.e. landing a probe on Mars. That imagining what they could do if their current budget, $23 billion an- annually, was on par with the Department of Defense, which is $750 billion annually, it's nice for a space geek like me. If nothing else, maybe it will finally put an end to those stupid, what about our problems here on Earth jokes? Anyway, thanks for indulging my mini rant, and I love the podcast and the Patreon. I agree. I hate when people are like, why are we going to Mars? Bitch, you don't even know why we're going to Mars. Is that a good, is that a good argument? I showed them. Um, So let's, speaking of the Patreon, let's give the shout outs to subscribers. How about that? And we will play, as requested last time, Big Fun by Cool and the Gang. I realized the song wasn't that like, because we are having big fun here. All right, let's thank the Patreon subscribers. Woo! Julie Kaufman. Thank you so much, baby. You are big fun. 
Lara Scott, thank you. You are one cool biatch. Jamie Howlett, look at you, rich bitch, subscribing to a Patreon version of a podcast. Thank you. Alyssa Blattman, look at you living your life, driving down that freeway with the sunroof open. Even if you're not, you are in your mind. Thank you. Pete Savignano, Saviano, if I'm saying that wrong, you can write me back and say, boy, are you a dumb bitch. Thank you, Pete. Robin Parker, you totally rock. You're a good person and you know it. I hope you enjoy a nice piece of cake soon. All right, those are my Patreons for the week. We'll do more every week here, of course. And if you would like a shout out, well, you have to join the Patreon, even at the $3 level. Woo! If you don't want to join the Patreon, but you feel like giving me some money for no reason, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Jen Kirkman. <laughs> you can buy me a coffee. All right. Hey, just a reminder that uh, Seattle and Memphis, these two cities, they have food banks like all cities do. But the month of April, uh, my merchandise sales, the percentage that I get to keep, of course, I don't get to keep 100%. If you buy a shirt for 20 bucks or something, it doesn't mean I get 20 bucks, but I get a percentage of that. And the percentage that I get to keep, I donate 100%. Lots of percentages going on here, but I donate every single thing that I earn to food banks. And every month I send it out to two different food banks. April, the sales were a little low. I also think the reason is we had major sales every week in April, 35% off. So the income wasn't as much. Um, So I'm going to extend the Seattle and Memphis food bank sales to also May's earnings. So on June 1st, I will give money uh, from the combined April, which we earned $408, combined with whatever we earn in May. And I'm hoping that uh, we earn about $600 more in May, and that will get me up to 1000 and I can give each food bank about 500 bucks. But even if we get to 800 that's great. Each food bank gets about 400 And again, when you're dealing with food banks, you know, just a few bucks can buy meals for people for a while. So you're really feeding a lot of people with $400. So go shopping. The link is in the bio, or you can go to jenkirkman.com and click shop. Lots of fun stuff in the merchandise store. If you are in North America and it is heading into summer, then we got a lot of tote bags and tank tops, just some fun things you might need for summer. And I know my friends in Australia, we are heading into the winter months and we've got some fun and cozy and warm sweatshirts as well. So everybody get in and we've got hot mugs for your hot beverages. So go on and shop and your money will go to food banks in America. Now, if you don't live in the country, you might be like, why the fuck do I care about food banks in America? I don't know, because you're a good person. That's why. That's why. Anyway, if you love the podcast, give it a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to it on if they allow for reviews. And if you're not good with words and you're like, I don't know what to say, then just say, I want NASA to save us so I can keep listening to the No Fun Podcast. How about that? Does that sound good? Please follow the podcast on Instagram, at Jen Kirkman Podcast. I'm always posting little videos and things like that. And on Twitter, like I mentioned earlier, at Jen Kirkman Pod on Twitter. And if you join the Patreon The conversation will continue on this week's 20-minute shorty bonus episode that is available to the $10 subscribers and up. Uh, 
I am going to be talking about Sorry, I am going to be talking about Britney Spears is mad at all of you who made that documentary about her and who watched it and she's got some things to say. So that's what will be going on over on Patreon. It will be released on Wednesday, the day that this podcast comes out, which is May 12th. There you go. Okay, before we go, I thank you all for enjoying last week's listener email podcast. I got a lot of emails that said, Jen, I love the listener email podcast. So I'm going to do another one um, the last weekend in the last week in May. So I've decided that every month for the summer, because I want to try to take uh, some time off here and there during the summer, and I will record episodes in advance so that I can have a week off here and there. But uh, last the last week of every month will be listener email episodes. So you get it, right? Last week, listener. Listener, last week. The last week of the month is for listeners. You're like, yeah, we get it. It's just not that good. And I think you're trying to do alliteration. Anyway, uh, last week I, um, I'd read an email from Michelle who wrote in about some of her uh, weight issues. And she wrote to me this week, Jen, I was just driving to work listening to your podcast and could not get away from this hippie Muppet in a Jeep blasting, I like to move it, move it behind me. He was flopping around, dancing like a fool. And I kept angrily turning up the podcast. I hope he heard your voice talking about weight issues as my rage response. Oh, maybe she didn't write me in, but she was just talking about listening to the podcast. Um, I love that song. I like to move it, move it. And I would be so happy if I saw a hippie Muppet dancing to that song. Like, it just doesn't even make sense that a hippie is listening to that. Let's just listen to it together right now. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to Yes, have some fun, Michelle. Woo. I like to move it, move it. And it's one of those songs I hate because it has air raid signals in it, but I don't care. I still like it. Woo! Yeah. Move it, move it. Okay, so I've got some more listener emails to read, but I'm going to save them. I'm going to save them for the end of the month. There's no emergency here. You think you need me to read it today? You don't. Relax, everybody. All right, everybody, move it, move it. Get your body moving if you can move it. If not, get your mind moving. If not, just move on. Move on to the next podcast you're listening to because this week's is done. Until next week, have fun. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? 
Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.